You ready, Teeny? Yeah, I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready. All right, where are we going? Let's go. We are going to. I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. really do. Get your passports um, ready. Uh, we pretty much, uh, the, the majority of the movie is in South America. Now, where in South America, I can't yes. tell you. It is in South America. It's... Yes. Exiled from their home nations, four strangers from separate corners of the earth agree to undertake a dangerous mission <laughs> to transport unstable dynamite through the dense jungle of South America in order to earn their passage home. Yeah. We are doing Sorcerer. From 1977. Another word for unstable dynamite or sweaty dynamite apparently is nitroglycerin. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Is that what you take? Isn't that what you take for heart attacks? Uh, I, like, what's that little thing? Of it is glycerin, but it isn't. I think it is. Because I feel like my dad always had that on hand, but I don't, not the combustible kind. The stable well, kind. Yeah, my dad did too. And then you'd put it under your, under your tongue. Well, he would yeah. put it under his tongue. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm surprised that you don't know all of your family's heart issues. Nitroglycerin, it is. Yeah, we didn't talk Thanks about it. Oh, angina. Yeah. Known as chest pain. I get yes. angina and agita confused. Are they different? Agita. I don't know. I thought they were the same. To me, I well, thought... I think angina, like maybe it's like, and maybe agita is the technical term for it. Angina in maybe, I think it's probably Yiddish. So it's probably like the same kind of like, oh, oy vey. I, that's I don't know. a popular drag queen named angina. And I always think of her. It says avoid alcohol. Very serious interactions can occur. And there were very few times my dad was not. Hey, I hope my dad didn't take Avoiding it. alcohol. So that's interesting. So he was just, was he a smoker? Jeez. Mm -hmm. So he had seen some shit. He had seen some shit. He we... got shot in the back. He in might. <laughs> Nice. Well, I do have nerd alert for nitroglycerin, so. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the particulars. Oh, because there's a juicy one in here, guys. So Sorcerer was released June 24th, 1977. It was produced and directed by William Friedkin. He also directed The French Connection, which he won the Academy Award for Best Director, which we have to do that. That's a classic. We haven't done it yet. He also did The Exorcist. The Boys in the Band. Which we haven't done. Which we haven't done. And The Boys in the Band, I think they there's a, a new one coming out of that. He I think so. He also did To Live and Die in L.A., Cruising, and Blue Chips, starring Shaquille oh. O'Neal. He's part of the 70s New Hollywood scene, along with Francis Ford Coppola and Peter Bogdanovich. The screenplay is by Wallen Green. He also wrote The Wild Bunch, The Brinks Job, Eraser, The High Low Country, and RoboCop 2. Um, he also directed and produced the National Geographic documentaries with David Walper that include The Hallstrom Chronicle and The Secret Life of Plants. 
He's also written for Hill Street Blues, ER, NYPD Blue, and dun dun, Law and Order. Oh. It is based on, and pardon my pronunciation, La Serre de la Par by Georges. It's like George with an S, so I don't know how they pronounce that. Arnold. A R N A U D. It's a French novel. It was turned into a film, the 1953 film, The Wages of Fear. Might want to look out for those French novels. <sighs> Unbelievable. Guys, I'm going to bring this to the podcast. Who knew that The Count of Monte Cristo was over a thousand pages long? Now, me, because I didn't read it. Had no idea. Apparently, the book that people, when they're reading it in movies and it's all like thin-ish, regular book shape, that that's the abridged version. I apparently have committed to reading the unabridged version. (laughs) I'll let you know how it is in 20 years when I finish it. Okay. I won't be around to know that you're finished. (laughs) You won't. I'll be like, I did it. And then I'll collapse dead. (laughs) And I'll shine a light on your ceiling. (laughs) Okay. Okay, guys. This is a big nerd alert. So, Georges Arnold was the writer of the novel that this movie is based on. He He has a law degree. Well, he's since passed away. But he had a law degree. And in 1938, he moved to Paris. On October 24th, 1941, when he was 25 years old, his father, who was a deputy archivist and Ministry of Foreign Affairs for Vichy, France, which was the French side during World War II, right, Ma? It was the, the side, because France had gotten overrun by the Nazis. Right, right. So this was like the French resistance, right? Resistance. Right. So his father, his aunt and a servant were murdered in the family castle. And Whoa. Henry, okay, I got this from Wikipedia. It was very uh, stingy with the uh, details. It said that he was the only survivor. And mis- there was mysterious circumstances. And in all of the kerfuffle that Henry was, who was the guy, the he, his pen name was George. He was, he was arrested, charged, and imprisoned. And he spent 19 months in jail because it was, you know, World War II. And France was like, okay, we'll get to you, my guy. But we have a more pressing situation going on at the moment. So for 19 months, he, like, was froze, was freezing in prison, was starving. And... His trial began on May 25th, 1943, and on June 2nd, which is maybe a week, maybe less, the jury acquitted him. I tried to look up more stuff for, like, what was this murder? Like, what the hell? I couldn't find anything. Um, so he, once he got out of jail, once he was acquitted by the jury, he got married to a singer. He wrote some songs for Edith Fife, who, you know, I think she did La Vienne Rose. So she was a big deal. Then he was disgruntled, disgusted by the power of men's fascination with money. And he spent all of his inheritance. He donated, (laughs) it said, Wikipedia said he donated to good causes. 
But then somehow he still managed to be in debt. And he also wanted to be forgotten. So he left for South America. So it's kind of like what this book is about. So he leaves. How'd you get in debt? If Okay. A lot going on with this guy. So he was in South America from 1947 to 1950. He returned to France in 1950 and published his this book. And then in 1952, Henry Georges Clouseau, he's a French filmmaker that you'll remember from Psycho because Hitchcock saw one of his films and was like, oh, I got to I got to own my game and make this Psycho. So he made this film adaptation and that was the Wages of Fear in 1953. And based on the Wages of Fear in 1953, this director Clouseau was able to go on in 1955 and do the film Les Diabolics. I butchered that pronunciation. And that's the film that Hitchcock saw that was like, I got to up my game. I got to hit him with Psycho. Yeah. So the music is, so I could never figure out like, well, what happened? Was was he a murderer? Is. Did he murder everybody? Yeah. Did he murder everybody? Did he, was he not? And it was just, it it really. Was it an Anastasia situation? It really feels like it was a look, like from the French point of view, that the like the country of France pretty much is like, look, we had our hands full, we couldn't keep all the balls in the air. Some right. we dropped. Let's 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 go. Let's right. move ahead. Right. We, we have, you know, like other people can be like, we want justice for murder and stuff, but it's like, hey, I on the prize here. We got to get these Nazi bastards out of our borders. So I think that may be what happened. Who can be mad at that? Yeah. The music is, is by Tangerine Dream. That's a German electronic, electronic music band that was founded in 1967. They are considered pioneers of electronica. They also did the... <laughs> what? Oh, it's just so German, electronica. It is. It? It's, it's so German. When you, when, you, when you know that and then you hear the score, you're like... Yes. Yeah. Yavol. They also did the uh, scores to Thief, Flashpoint, Risky Business, Legend, Grand Theft Auto V, and the theme for Stranger Things. Oh, wow. Yep. Far out. And then when, when I read that and I thought of the movie and then I thought of the theme of Stranger Things, I was like, Yes. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize until halfway through that it was the same guy that did Exorcist, and I was like, "Oh." Mm-hmm. The director of photography. There were two because this was a highly problematic production. We have John M. Stevens. He also did Billy Jack, Boxcar Bertha, Blackula. Billy Jack. I loved Billy Jack. Oh, guess we might have to do that. Oh, well, maybe not. Blackula, Ski Patrol. He also worked on Bus Stop, South Pacific, E.T., and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I, I know what Ma's picking for her October movie. I am taking a note. <laughs> um, he also worked on The Three Amigos and Field of Dreams, and he developed the first remotely operated pan and tilt camera head, which... 
is very useful for if you want to place a camera in a very dangerous situation, maybe a situation where there's explosives and stuff, and you need to be able to pan and tilt the camera, and you don't want your camera operator, you know, right there. Oh, well He came done. up with it. Yeah. Also, director of photography, Dick Bush. I oh, saw Dick. That. Dick. Dick. Bush. Dick. You really Bush. went with the name, last name like Bush and said, I'm going to name my kid Dick. Well, I think he named him Richard and then the kid decided to go. Somebody yeah, decided to go by Dick. Either way. Uh, uh, yeah, like, I already know if I were to ever have a child, Richard's out. There's so many things that are. I mean, it's yeah. not an easy last name to deal with without no. problematic you, issues. You can't have a little girl named Alada. No. A lot of you can't. <laughs> you can't. You're thick. Yeah. No, ni- no nicknames of thick. <laughs> oh, there's so many. Seymour out the window. Seymour <laughs> <laughs> Bush. <laughs> That's a lot of. You know, what's the name? That's a lot of. <laughs> I, I got. A, they're twins. A lot of and Seymour. <laughs> Okay. Or even Ro- 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 like- kid true. True Bush. Rose. You can't have Rose. Rose. No, there's really. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I guess that you're only left with Aaron and Adam. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and the last names come from the parents. So <laughs> Christine Bush works. <laughs> but you know what doesn't is Mabes Bush. Mabes Bush. No. No, it doesn't. It's It's not a nice hyphenation. No, you can't. No. So are you you Bush Mabes? Could you do Bush Mabes? (laughs) You know what? She's just sticking with me. She's just Mabes. We haven't been to the name changing. (laughs) I think the name changing office has been closed. (laughs) It has been. From what I understand from Saturday Night Live, yeah. She's just like, darn. Oh, that's funny. Well, he was a British man, so I assume that he um, never buttoned the top three buttons in his, you know, little shirt that he was always open. Like buttoned. dude from the Val, he never buttoned. Yeah, his- yeah. He he was. I mean, when you, when you're like, yeah, I'm Dick Bush. It's and and he's a camera operator, like you know, director of photography Ooh. in the seventies. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to. Oh, I, there isn't even any allegedly. I don't know. We're just going based I, off this guy. He could have been the most prim and proper. Like he. That's why he was Dick Bush because he didn't even get it. He was that prim and proper. It it is B U S H. Not there's no C in there to help out. No, it's ours. Oh man, it's which, I mean. If we go looking, should I be knocking on this family's door looking for my reparations? <laughs> He's British, and the name is Bush. Mm. <laughs> Are there? Yeah. Hey, I'm just saying. Um, he also shot Tommy, Victor, Victoria, and three of the Pink Panther films. He did a lot of oh, work. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The editor is Bud Smith. He also edited Putney Swope. The Exorcist, Zoot Suit, Karate Kid, The Flashdance, and To Live and Die in L.A. Wow. 
And it was also edited by Robert K. Lambert, who also cut I Heart Huckabee's House of a Thousand Corpses, Three Kings, Ed, and Blue Chips, just to name a few. The cast, we have Roy Scheider, who plays Scallion slash Dominguez. So in 1975, this movie came out in 77, 75, we, are, we did Jaws. So Roy Scheider's... Like yeah, he, he already he, did Jaws. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I did Jaws. <laughs> um, he was also in The French Connection, Marathon Man, All That Jazz, and The Russia House. Bruno Kremer, who is Maison slash Suriano. He's a French actor. He's best known for playing the police detective Jules Magret on the French TV on a French TV show from 1991 to 2005, and this was his first English role. So I, I equated him to like their Sam Waterston. <laughs> and he, um, they obviously didn't have dental with their um, health care package. It was France, ma. Post-war, I'm guessing he grew up in. Again, we established priorities. You know, fluoride in the water. Like, let's just get water. Yeah, it's true. We we have to rebuild the whole continent here. Shambles, shambles. Everything in shambles. It's true. It's true. He was um, in 110 film and TV productions. And the films include the 317th Platoon, Special Section, and White Wedding. We have Francisco Robal. He was Nilo or Nilo. This was his Hollywood debut. He played the Mexican assassin Paco. Oh, he played the Mexican assassin. The white shoes, though. Yeah. His, okay. he, he went by Paco Robel. So, Francisco. Because I learned that Paco is short for Francisco. So, Paco is to Francisco as Dick is to Richard. There we go. Mm-hmm. Back to... Dick's Bush. Dick Bush. <laughs> He's a Spanish actor, director, and screenwriter. He's been in over 200 films. He was You've in... You've seen him in stuff. Always the bad guy. Yeah, but he... I think you... Yeah, but I didn't see a, a whole bunch of English language films. But I, I could be mistaken. So I saw him in, uh, or not, I didn't see him. And he, he's in uh, Belgior, Los Santos Innocentes, and Goya Emberdios. Oh, what? You didn't see those? I did not. I missed wow. them. Okay. I could be picking Bel de Jour because that's a Brunel film. And I do want, at some point, want to go into Brunel. So. Ooh, the link. Um, but I know why you think that he was in a lot, because when I saw him, I thought that he was an actor. And when you'll get to it in my recasting and be like, he does look just like him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, we have Amadou. He played Kasim and Martinez slash Martinez. He's a Moroccan French actor. He was also in Buddy Goes West, Ronin and Escape to Victory. We have Raymond Berry. He played Corlette. He was the American. He was also in the Andromeda Strain, Reds, and Ghost of Mississippi. We have Carl John, who played Marquez. He was the old German. He's a German actor. This was his last film. Oh, okay. He was in The Longest Day, so we've seen him before. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was one of he the Nazis. Like an old German. I mean, he looked very, like, strong mm-hmm. old Nazi energy. Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah. Like, that's how he got the role. It was it was as if like he could see forty four years into the future 
my what he would consider mongrel ass looking at him and he was he was not impressed that that was in the future i felt it i was like that is some future strong nazi shit i'm feeling but who he could have been the sweetest guy and he wasn't I'm sorry. Move on. Yeah. It, it, it's it's hard when you look at his date range and like, well, he was still acting? Okay. He was also in Sacred Waters. So there are the particulars of this man we may have defamed, but probably not just given the time period and, you know, people doing what they need to do to survive. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I, I knew Roy not. Is there an end? Scheider? Scheider. Scheider. the other guys are just dude to me. I mean, because well, you don't know them. And this was an international cast. And we'll get to that later. I'll save it for later. Because there's Tasty Nuggets slash Nerd Alerts for it. So somebody might have it. Okay. Well, we see a stone carving, um, uh, like a South American stone carving of like a dragon. And we have a village square and there's lots of music. And there's a dude in a fedora and a light blue suit. And he's, I call him white shoes. Yes. Because he's got white shoes. And he, uh, somebody shoots a dude in a hotel room. And you don't know anybody. Uh, you don't know anybody. Well, yeah, white shoes shoots a dude. Because it was a very Hitchcock kind of shot. He Because it's very slow. And he pulled the gun out. And I was like, oh, strong Hitchcock vibes. Which is how I came to this movie. Exactly. That's what made me think. Because I was like, how yes. in the world did Teeny get this? <laughs> she, I love that she brings this, this, uh, this wild card thing to us. Okay, she's up in my game, I gotta say. Me too. Okay, then we go to Jerusalem. There's a dude walking on the street. He meets two friends. They get on a bus. There's a bomb. Dudes go to a housing building. They meet another dude i'm telling you I, you don't know these people there's no names they're packing there's a map the army arrives uh my closed caption at this point said speaking foreign For, language yeah that's thanks a, that's why i have closed <laughs> caption on to know what it is what is this uh, 1977 they take one dude into custody two are shot in a shootout but the original guy, I put original guy gets away, question mark. Yes, he does. Now we go to Paris and we see Madeline walking in two straight lines. Um, there are little girls in uniforms. Uh, in, there's a window. There's a white man in a nice Parisian apartment. He seems restless. Wife, question mark. She's working in bed on a book. And I put teeth. So this is, man, <laughs> this is the, the French dude. <laughs> because, yes. His teeth. Oh, were yeah, rough. his teeth were not good. His teeth were rough. But, I mean, his uh, face. His face. Well, like... yeah, but his, yeah, his face was good compared with his teeth. It's, he it, unwraps yeah. a gift. It's their 10-year anniversary. He gets a nice watch. Oh, man. Federal notes. Oh, uh, <laughs> we need a, a drop for my notes. There's a federal building, and and French dude is in trouble for fraud. He pulls out a checkbook and says, "Just tell me how much you need." Uh, it's the Perville family. 
And if the Perville family is destroyed, they won't be alone. So uh, his family had some kind of business. They'd been doing fraud for a while. He said he's not going down alone. He needs 24 hours. So Bruno Kramer, that you are blaspheming his teeth. To be fair, he was born in 1929. So... Just it was a world depression. Like the depression didn't just happen in America, you know. And then he in 1929, all the way. Yeah, his teeth were the last that his family thought. Like, and that shows the cast that he was in. That you know he couldn't have the. He wasn't in that where it was like, yeah, we can still afford to like do stuff with your teeth. And you always told me. When we were in Europe about, like, <laughs> kind of snobby, but I appreciate it. Of just like, yeah, in America, they put fluoride in the water. So you'll, you'll see, like, this is, like, everybody's teeth are kind of, not everybody, a lot of people. They, you know, they had other things to consider at the time. It wasn't, look at you and how privileged you are to have great teeth culture. Yeah, I don't think that was snobbish. I was looking out for the welfare of your teeth. Yeah, and it was like, look, if you anytime you walk outside and you look at an adult who is about 30 years old, you don't brush your teeth. That's what happens. Guess what? I brush my teeth three times a day and I floss once a day. Look at those Lesson chompers learned. You're welcome. Lesson learned. Okay, so he has to offer some collateral... Because they need the money repaid in 24 hours. If he offers collateral, there will be no charges. So this isn't the collateral from the vow. Because that made me giggle. Of like, oh, he's is he going to send a picture of him in a weird position? But no. Wow. So he, his wife has the, his wife who we met who is an editor. Her family has buku money. And they've been like the, the French upper class upper caste I guess I should say for a while and he married into it he made some poor financial decisions so Donald his Trump. his family is overextended and the I I think what they're looking at yeah it pretty much is is like the French version of the SEC like hey you need to like you're coming in here saying like oh we we've been in business for a hundred years it we're good it's fine and i'm coming in here looking at you like no you need to produce collateral which to them is proof that you can cover these debts and he's looking to his father-in-law to do that and his father-in-law's cutting him off going i'm not spending good money after bad yeah his father yeah you're an idiot i can't believe my daughter married you it's right. It's what I'm getting. And then right. he's talking to, well, we haven't gotten to there, but yeah. So he, this guy's in a financial bind and it's not looking real great for him. So he goes to his business partner. Who is the, the, his wife's brother. And he's yelling at him, call your dad. Uh, we need money. We need money. Well, this dude, bad teeth is with his wife and another woman in a very nice 
dining establishment. Yeah. You know that that champagne was good. Yeah. And Everything was good. Oh, it was just butter and salt. Just so delicious. And they're talking about lobsters and where to get the best lobsters. So, oh, excuse me while I swallow. But Uh, the the maitre d' comes and goes, there's a dude outside that needs to uh, meet with you. And it's his brother-in-law, and he's trying to make him understand the only way to save the firm is for uh, my father-in-law to get to, to bail me out. Yeah, so the, so the son was basically like, I went to dad and I asked him for more money, and he's like, no. And so the his brother-in-law, who is a.k.a. Bad Teeth, says well you need to go back to him and the the son is like he's my dad i know when i've been cut off it was like all right so then doesn't he go to his little porsche car and get his 911 yeah it's 911 and we follow french dude back and what happens ma he ruins the 911 nobody's ever gonna buy that car again because there's a lot of blood and brains all over it. He blows his brains out. Yeah. Up. And so then my guy goes like goes to look because he's like, what? And yeah, then, you just hear the shot. And that's when it all kind of comes into him. I They didn't do this in the film, but imagine again the 1970 from Jaws when they, they do the dolly in zoom out effect. Because this is when it all hits my man, exactly. bad teeth, exactly. that he just took himself out the game. I'm either uh, like, what am I doing? So he goes into the major D, peels off some money, tells, says, like, tell my wife I have to leave on business. And then he literally runs out of the country club and away. <laughs> He's just, feet don't fail me now. <laughs> Now we cut to USA, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ah, yes. There is a wedding. I, you know, I stayed in a hotel in Elizabeth, New Jersey once. And you I would live not, to tell the I story. I would not recommend. I was like 19. And my friend Catherine and I drove up to see if the Spice Girls reunion tour. Oh, my God. In Newark. And we stayed in this motel motel it was a motel in oh. elizabeth new jersey and it was not good do, oh. i do not recommend zero out of ten i think that's not where, to shit on elizabeth i but. think that's where one of my best friends was born i think in a I, Seven? like Seven? i know i know elizabeth and union from from my my best friend like i knew elizabeth and it's because of him and i don't know if it's because he was born there and then moved to union or if he was born in union and moved to elizabeth i just know that it was that and before he moved to like where he like grew up i mean it's like very close to um the city? newark it's basically newark mm -hmm. oh okay which is basically jersey city right yeah. it's just northern it's just the suburbs of uh nyc right my the metropolitan area freshman yeah. and sophomore roommate was from east rutherford new jersey oh. okay um well there's a wedding going on and this is when we see roy scheider and he's irish and 
there's a wedding going on in the church behind the church they're counting out the money from the collection plate so it's all change in ones and um roy scheider and his friends are robbing the bank of the collection i mean that's some balls man northern new jersey and a catholic church and you're robbing the collection and it's the but 70s ones and uh, singles and change yeah what were you gonna say teeny I was going to say that this looks like every wedding of 1970s, late 70s, early 80s. Oh, interesting. Because I have a. Like uh, the dresses, like just the way they were dressed, the hairstyles. Oh, yeah. 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 Just. Luckily, uh, we got married in 75. and, um, And as they're saying the vows, the bride has a serious black eye. Yeah. That was, that, yeah. And they yeah. both are like, yeah, we're doing this, but, uh, yeah, we don't, uh, yeah, it's not good. So, not good. to me, that is great because it told me everything I needed to know, as in, this church is connected to oh, yeah. a criminal, like, there's a criminal organization backing this. So, whoever is about to, like is robbing this is messing with literally the wrong church because there's a woman up here with a black eye getting married so don't you hear the soprano soundtrack playing during this okay uh we have a speeding car somebody in the back seat pulls a gun there's an accident <laughs> they hit a fire hydrant roy scheider was driving the police arrive Roy Scheider is stumbling away. There's money singles all over one guy. Uh, then they go to a closed restaurant where there's only one guy at one table, right out of the Sopranos, Mr. Ritchie. Roy Scheider robbed my church, shot my brother, get him. So Roy Scheider meets another dude. He has to get a passport. Um, I wrote you this. I don't know. Oh, and um, he gets a passport, and but the dude doesn't know where he's going, just going. And then we see South America. He we tells see him mountains. to go to. He tells him to go to uh, Baltimore but to the harbor. Also, didn't he pay two thousand dollars for that passport? He paid some money for it, which today would be eighty five hundred dollars. Wow. wow. To so end he, was up in what? A, he was paying good money for this passport. Just yeah. And some people would describe where he landed as a shithole country. That would not be me, but it would be someone else. Uh, we There's a lot. There's poverty. There's pigs and chickens and trash. Roy Scheider's there with another man. Uh, you the, make that the sound French, very salacious. Uh, but not. No, no, no he's just uh, a, I mean, he's. It's just like he's isn't that when he's in like the what like the commune kind of like where the guest workers work, you know, like it's just very dormitory, but the worst dormitory situation with no trash collection. and, And then the French dude is there in a bar and he's working for an oil company. 
The the flag I noticed was red, yellow, and blue. I didn't look up what country. It the looked red... like Colombia, but then it had a star in it. So it looks because I, I was like, oh, that kind of looks oh. like the Colombian flag, but then there's a star in it, and I don't know if that's like seventy seven or that's like. No, this is just a South any South American country. Right, so. it could be because everything was changing then. There's an airplane. Don't know why I wrote that down. White Shoes is on his way to Managua, Nicaragua. And I will say Coca-Cola must have given this film lots of money. I haven't had... Coca-Cola's everywhere. I haven't had a soda since the then the world ended i did have a sip of it when i was visiting you but yeah it did look it did oh look my very, god i know i know, <laughs> I know. Yeah. wow that's like a foreign concept to me it did look very alluring didn't it because like, it looked cold too oof. and if you've ever well we were in germany in the 80s and then early 90s and it you were lucky if your Coca-Cola was cold because they never put ice in it. And if you put ice in it, it went flat immediately. But that's why I like it. I like my, I can drink Coca-Cola classic room temperature because yes, to me, can. the fizzies make it cold in my mouth. They're unloading the plane. White Shoes takes a room for a week or less. Uh, Roy Scheider and Manzon, the French dude, lock eyes. There is a bo the bomb survivor, the one dude, the um, Middle Eastern dude from the bomb back at the beginning. He's is, a terrorist, Ma. Okay, he's talking he's, with an older it, man. The escape terrorist is talking with an older man. And then... Then they bring, who do they bring the food to? And dude wipes the silverware on his dirty shirt. He brings before. it to Schneider, but it looks like the, what was that that we had in Puerto Rico? The, I apologize. I think it's Mumofungo. You know how it was the, the big thing that was on top that we had in Puerto Rico? It, kind, it, it probably wasn't that, but it just reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, that was so good. Okay, I'm glad you got a good, and and he's pouring Johnny Walker Scotch. I did notice that. again what I've said before in other podcasts. Anytime somebody drinks scotch, it lets me know something. You enjoy hard things, and the person pouring that scotch, the um, the person who I assume owns this establishment. You used to be a Reichs Marshal. This is the the man that I said he was seeing into the future, and he was not happy mm -hmm. that I was watching this movie. Just very strong vibes. The Federales come in. Uh, Juan Domingos is Roy Scheider. <laughs> and I'm going to say Juan Domingos is not a name that goes with what he looks like. He has... Spanish papers that are obviously not his. It's a violation of the immigration law, and he has to go to prison. Now, did he get out of prison because he had money to pay for it? I had a question mark by money. Oh, because he, I think that he with the police made a deal that they were going to take a dollar out of every three that he earned. Works did they for say me. that? And also because they were always showing this stencil or whatever so whatever country that they were in is being run by a dictator yes is what the like that that's what it, it said to me that it was this 
the country is run by this dictator. So, you know, rules, laws, and regulations were just a mild suggestion. Right. And he is leaving jail, and it has been 40 minutes. Nice. My note-taking is done. So, Aaron, people of color. Well, there was a ton of people of color because it was set in South America. Um, We had also been into Jerusalem. Um, But I will say that all of the people of color, I think with the exception of... Kazim, who is Martinez, who is also the terrorist. Um, again, right there, he he's the terrorist. Yeah, yeah. And then also, so everyone else is just the, all of the people in color of this are automatically in the lower caste. Yeah, it's not. She's referring to the book by Isabel Wilkerson. I've started yeah. reading it. And I've, I'm going to try to incorporate that how I into how I speak to, to Maybe, get away yeah. from yeah. like the racism and stuff and to point out the caste the system and how that all plays out. Everyone needs to read this book. Can I tell you, just, just this is a sidebar, but I'm reading it. I have been married to your puppy for almost 45 years. It's the first time that through my white privilege lens, I understood that the masters on the plantations were having sex with their slaves. I always thought it was just for enjoyment or for more degradation or for just, this is how bad I am. I didn't realize they were doing it to have more slaves. Yeah. It's money. It, it was it's yeah. the most business because you get to to produce your own because they ch- I just read that part about the hereditary in column two about that blew how it, my mind because in because there's always been cast and stuff and like in India because the book is like you need to read it the book is it did compares and contrasts the caste system in the United States the caste system in Nazi Germany and the caste system in India and in India in the like England and all that you were whatever your father was that was your cast that was trod down and I chuckled because you always told me and I always knew why you told it to me so I I, it wasn't like oh this is getting really scared right but you were like oh well I was always told that you are whatever your father is Right. Which I think that was just an easy way to be like, look, you don't look white. So, you know, and, and this is the way that the American, our American society is going to treat you. You right. are this. This is how they see you. It doesn't mean that that's what you are. It's what they see you as. Right. So Whew, that was OK. The So then that's and that was how it was in, in England. And it was passed down that it was always whatever your father was until you bring in slavery and stuff. Yep. And then it was then they broke with the British and was like, no, you are whatever your mother is. And the reason that they did it is because of the reason that you said, because you would be could be a slave owner. And then whatever womb, whatever came out of the black womb. That was black. And so then that's a slave. And that's you are creating your own because it's not it's not yours. 
it's your prop. I mean, it is actually, yeah, it's, it's your, your property. property. So exactly. they're just creating more money because then they can grow up and then sell it off and sell it off. So it was all because about then it money. Was one drop of black blood means you're black. And, that and was, that's when that's when the Nazis, the Nazis went, whoa, that's rough. Yeah, the Nazis were like, yo, one drop of blood. Like, we would yeah, have. We aren't even doing that with our we Jewish can't, friends. Like, we can't do that. We're, we can't yeah. do that with Jewish people because we wouldn't have anyone in the Nazi exactly. party. Exactly. So we can't be that racist. Exactly. Like, America. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it was to give them more slaves mm -hmm. i didn't yeah wow. to, to just break up <sighs> to, like, yeah i like this book because i'm reading it and it's it's just pulling all of these things together like yes i just keep reading going yes yes that's what i yeah. th oh my gosh yes i that's what and I i'm reading thinking. it going oh my god i never thought of it that way okay nerd alerts okay well let me set the scene for 1977 june 1977 okay. just real quick um so 1977 yeah um demoed and now now our phone can do all that and when your poppy was at fort hood in the army in the early 70s named after or, a confederate general yeah those computers took up an entire trailer and they had to be air conditioned so your poppy was in texas in the summer in the air conditioning yeah i, I believe that um, Apple Computer was incorporated. Mm -hmm. Um, on his last day of presidency, Gerald Ford pardoned Tokyo Rose, who is Iva Ikuko Tagori. Now, I went in a little rabbit hole because. I knew loosely, like, oh, yeah, Tokyo Rose, was she was on the radio and saying, like, propaganda against Americas and stuff, but I didn't during know. During World War II? Yeah, this is during World War II. So this, she was pardoned on Ford's last day because Jimmy Carter got sworn in in January. So she was an American. She was born in Los Angeles, so she's American. Her parents were Japanese immigrants. She graduated from UCLA with a degree in zoology. In 1941, she traveled to Japan to visit an ailing relative. And the State Department, they didn't give her a passport. She got, um, she was issued a certificate of identification. Because I'm guessing it was probably 1941. They're like, well, no, here you go. You're fine. It's fine. Whatever. So in August, she request to come for a passport because she's ready to come home she's like i'm ready to go back to america I've, I've seen the ailing relative you know ready to set sail back well december 7th 1941 a day which will live in infamy happens which was the day that the japanese bombed pearl harbor so and remember she had put it in august to get her passport 
Well, <laughs> after that happened, it was like, oh, excuse me, you, you were in Japan and you want to come back to America? You thought. So the State Department was like, no, you do not get a passport. We are denying it. You'd have to go to an internment camp if you came back. So, yeah. And so the State Department refused to certify her citizenship in 1942. So she's stuck in Japan. Everybody in Japan knows that she's an American. So the ja Japanese government says, all right, look, you need to, if you know it's good for you, you need to renounce mm -hmm. your U.S. citizenship, talk all that smack against America, you know. And she's like, no, excuse me, I'm an American. I was born in America, bitches. I'm not going to do that. And so because she refused, she was declared an enemy alien and she was refused her war rations, which I'm guessing that sucked for her. Yeah. She so, was probably getting next to nothing anyway, and then she got nothing. Exactly. So then at that time, the Allied prisoners of war were forced to broadcast propaganda. And so this woman, Tagori, was selected to host. And so she hosted the radio show. And she called herself an orphan and because you know she wanted to get back to her home and her home had neglected her and this wasn't her home so and then she started to call her like it because she was the announcer it got shortened to Anne. so then she called herself like orphan Anne or orphan annie and annie. it kind of and it tied in with like little orphan annie and all of that kind of stuff she never called herself tokyo rose Tokyo Rose was a catch-all from the Allied troops. Like, any Japanese woman on the radio was Tokyo Rose. Uh -huh. So, after the Japanese surrendered, um, T. Henry, T. Harry T. Brundledge of Cosmopolitan Magazine and Clark Lee from the Hearst International News Service offered $2,000 for an exclusive interview with Tokyo Rose. So the war is over by this time. Everybody's like, yo, Tokyo Rose, Tokyo Rose. I want to interview. Get the interview, you get $2,000 in like, what, 1945 money. So she took it. She was like, oh, I'm Tokyo Rose because she needed money because she was still in Japan and she was looking to get back to America. <laughs> It's like, I've been trying to get to America for four years. I did not denounce my citizenship to America. In fact, if you go back and listen to everything that I said, I didn't say a bad word about America. I was careful. Go, the writers for the propaganda who were prisoners of war can back me up. But as soon as she got back, like, because she took it and they, they sent for her, she got arrested by the FBI. So then... General Douglas MacArthur, who was like the head honcho in the, of the Pacific thing, and the FBI, they looked into her case and they interviewed United States and Australian prisoners of war who were writers and wrote her scripts. And they were like, yeah, she didn't say anything. In fact, like mm -hmm. whenever she could, she would say like sarcastic and snide things to kind of like, you know, low key be like, I'm not she about this. She was one this. of us. Yeah like literally because no matter what you do your country won't recognize your sacrifice or whatever so they were like yeah she did nothing so by that time she had married this other guy i think his name was like dakino because that's 
her last name, like if you Google and stuff, and she was pregnant and she really, cause she's a U.S. citizen. She really wanted to have her baby born on U.S. soil. So her baby could be American because her baby is American because she was American. And, um, by that time, Walter Winchell, who we know from, I think like the sweet smell of success was kind of like a Winchell-esque. He was, you know, the, the newspaper opinion yes, guy. Yes, 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 he yes. was very influential. And he was like, yo, Tokyo Rose is trying to come back in the U.S. Guys, no. And so then there was an uproar like, no, she sh- Tokyo Rose shouldn't. So she, she wasn't able to have her. Ba- she had her baby in Japan and her baby died shortly after. No. Yeah. So then somehow she was, and I'm glossing over, I'm sure there's more to the story, or maybe there's not more to the story. Maybe it just is this, that somebody who was an American, but who didn't look like the upper caste of America and was in one of the middle caste, didn't get the benefit of the doubt. Um, Even though she was whiter than white Americans. Because when a gun was to her head and was like, your life will be a whole lot easier if you denounce America, she was still, I'm not denouncing my country, which is super patriotic. And how many of us honestly would be able to do such a thing? So anyway, a lot of stuff happens. Needless to say, she was rearrested in 1949 because obviously somehow she has to get pardoned in 1977. Wow. So there's a bunch of stuff to to go off and and research and look into. But um, yeah, on his last day of presidency, Gerald Ford pardoned her, and I thought that was wild because I just hmm. assumed, like, I didn't know like that she was you know, didn't denounce yeah. America was yeah. like, I just want to get home. I just got yeah. caught here. Like, you know, it, this is 1941. So you would have to go on a ship. There wasn't a plane to go to Japan and then something catastrophic happens and you just want to get back to your home. That wasn't her home. She wasn't born in, in Japan. She wanted, she was American and she just wanted to get back to America. And she was pardoned by Gerald Ford. That, Seems like a good thing, but he also pardoned Richard Nixon, so there, there's that taint on it as well. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that it, it doesn't mean that they're both the same. Maybe no, exactly. Maybe this was like people the, will equate that. Yeah, yeah, they will. But I think there's a lot more to this story because I had no idea that. I just was like, oh, Tokyo Rose, she was against right. the... U- I didn't know that she was actually a United States citizen and actually never renounced her citizenship and yeah. actually didn't like do all of these things. And that Tokyo Rose is a catch-all. So if somebody was saying anti-American things, it might have not necessarily... It probably wasn't her. Right. So okay. You hear Tokyo Rose, you assume... Um, yeah. Um, so Fleetwood Mac's rumors was released. There, there are demonstrations in April, demonstrations in 10 cities. And for three weeks, there was a sit-in held at the federal building in San Francisco because um, a group of people were asking President Jimmy Carter to implement civil rights laws to protect people with disabilities. And there's a fantastic documentary on Netflix produced by Michelle and Barack Obama, amongst other people, and it's called Crypt Camp, and it's about this exact thing, and it's fantastic. And right away you go, I don't, I don't want to 
watch that. I, I, but Aaron says it's really good. But, I, I but you been do able because dip it's into it yet. it's that heartwarming thing of of people like you know you look at. And it really makes, it's hard to watch because if you're able-bodied, it makes you put a mirror in front of your face and be like, why are you uncomfortable? Like, why right. is this making right. you uncomfortable? Because they, it just it just shatters all of your preconceived right. notions and it makes you look at the world in a different place. And you're like, wow, 1977, like they were about it. And it, and it, it gives you such a warm feeling because... It, it really goes into, like, you think of a three-day sit-in, and that's hard when with, with us, three able-bodied people. But now think about people who they get fed through a tube. You know, they can't move around. And this is 1977. This is the reason why that, that it's federally mandated, that there needs to be ramps and stuff, and because right. of, of what, right. like, their life. And it's, you know, the mind's there. They're, they're fully people. And it's just an, another thing of that, that caste system and being like, oh, well, you, you only have like one and a half arms, so you are less than. You're in this right. caste. Or even the people who are able-bodied, but their mind isn't all there. I mean, they, they don't have the um, academic intelligence of others. They, they still have... have something to contribute to society yeah and there's still people who are walking around who are dumber than they are like, like yeah become president so yeah that. you're just so it it's wild like that was 1977 i highly recommend watching it because it will make you feel like oh there there are, there are people out there who are, again? it's called crip camp oh right all right i thought it was about i thought it was yeah a camp like said in South Central LA, people. yeah. No, but I when I hear Kurt Crip Camp, oh, I thought Crip it was okay. about the gang. Yeah, yeah, I thought Ooh. it was about the gangs, and they went to this camp, and it was like. And that's why I was not in the right mindset when I turned it on. I was like, oh, this isn't. This is like what I would just. This just wasn't what I wanted to watch. Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. I, I do have something else to say about warm fuzzy feeling, and you said Fleetwood Mac's rumors. Uh, rumors was released. Have you seen the guy on the skateboard drinking cranberry juice to to that song Dream, Fleetwood Mac song Dream? No. On that album. Oh my God. God. You might need to take a time out and watch it right now, but it is this man and it's like the feel good video of the month. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll send it to you right now. Send it to us. Out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm. that is wonderful. I'm actually a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. Me too. I have gone down the rabbit hole many a many times on Fleetwood Mac. They're be. great. If you're if you're a youngin' listening to this, like go check out Fleetwood Mac. Great band. And I think she's having a resurgence with the youngins. I think she is. I really well, all are. Stevie Nicks was because of uh, American Horror Story a oh. few years back when she was on Coven. And it's one of our top selling vinyls at work. So yeah, Excellent. because it's Excellent. it's fantastic. Like anybody that listens to it is just like this is actually great. It's got all different sound. Like there's all different sounds to it. They have all different kinds of songs. And then when you get into the whole like backstory of who was with who and stuff, I mean Tusk is. <laughs> I, I'm a drummer, so I'm like this is awesome. 
So that yeah, that is great. That is oh man, I miss outside Southern California. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and the guys. Um, so if you, what's his name? Uh, I was just gonna credit the guy. I think it's Dog Face something. Dog Face. Dog Face four twenty. Yeah. That's it's great. He's got a bunch of feel. If you want to feel good, he's got a bunch of feel good videos. And we all need some feel good. Nate, his name is Nathan Apodaca. Thank you, Nathan. That's fun. And cranberry juice. Come on. Yeah. Cleaning out those kidneys and shit. Yeah. All right. Well, just I have a few more to pick up to to finish out 1977. The paint the picture. Led Zeppelin played to 76,229 people at the Pontiac Silverdome, which was a new attendance record for an indoor like to see people, and that's so many people. Led Zeppelin. But when you well, see the the that T-shirt, like even I have a T-shirt. This is like Led Zeppelin 77 tour. Well, can I tell you, so actually with the 70s, our big, the big fashion trend this year is all about the 70s. Really? Again? Yeah, like like velvet flare, soft pants, and like a big graphic tee on top. And, but let, we have like, like the, like a couple Led Zeppelin t-shirts that we sell. Can't keep him in stock. I these love them. Fi- fi- but these 15 year olds, I'm like, you guys don't know anything. Do they about even that? know Led Zeppelin? <laughs> but they is? might. But it's Led so. Led Zeppelin it- and Sublime. I'm like, why, oh. why do we have. <laughs> yeah. But it's but, so wild. Because, yeah, uh, like, Led Zeppelin, like, if you think about it, though, I got into Led Zeppelin 20 years ago. And it's like every 20. 20- and when I got into Led Zeppelin yeah, at 20, like 20 years, 20 years I guess. that's when, you know, like, if you look at the 77. 2000 that was like about 23 years like in that range yeah. and now 2020 i see that coming back and yeah, it's just 2020 great. though it's year all the 70s it's all about the 70s that's right that's right that's when i was at my prime that was so you kept any of your velvet pants this is i the didn't to bring and them out. i wouldn't be able to get in them anyway so <laughs> Well, um, this is, so the Supremes did their final performance in 1977. Ooh. Wow. Um, this is near and dear to my heart. Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time opened oh in wow. San Jose, oh, California. Chuck E. Cheese. Who knew? It what? is still oh my going God. We well, the, When we were watching the debate the other night, I just I looked at Adam and I was like, Trump looks like a Chuck E. Cheese yes. animatronic. What he was like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah, all the faces he does, yes. yeah. and he probably weighs as much as one of them weighs. Um, yeah, that's wild. But I I read that they filed for bankruptcy. Chuck E. Cheese did the COVID. The COVID I read that they. And I read that they were sending pizzas out under a different pizza name, like, ha- like you would order pizza from like Domino's or something. Uh-huh. But then when you looked at the ad, like on Grubhub, but then when you looked at the address, it was actually Chuck E. Cheese. 
That was the nastiest pizza well, that was But there were eating. people who loved the pizza. Remember in it, like that would be that was often a, a topic of debate was that there were people who loved the pizza mm. at Chuck E. Cheese and that was some nasty pizza. My I probably me. I do not remember ever having it because anytime that pizza would be brought up to my mother, that's some nasty pizza. So that just got <laughs> I who knows what it really tasted like like just in my head I was like uh uh-uh, uh excuse me may I have some avian <laughs> thank you and you're welcome oh. but when you got invited to a birthday party at Chuck E Cheese that was I don't remember birthday parties I remember I remember like that was my happy place where I wanted to go I remember when your car it was a green car I was in the back seat. My dad was going to take me to Chuck E. Cheese and the car wouldn't start. Like, it seems like my Dodge Colt. Every every time I wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese, the car would die and we would end up getting a new car. Like That was a lie. <laughs> the car wasn't really dead. He just didn't want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. No, no in that case, it was because I was in the back seat and yeah, I remember hearing that. And I was like, and we're not going to Chuck E. Cheese today, Aaron, because we can't get there. And being, right. being real sad. Okay. There's mm. one in Brooklyn. We should go support the biz. I don't I don't know if you guys can get I in. I heard that the animatronics <laughs> are gone. Well, and no. did you what? ever watch that documentary? There's a no. documentary. But I know oh. that like with adults, like you you can't go in without a kid because you gotta have to get like stamped. Yeah, because uh, see, think about it. Used it. To be like a predator's oh, dream. A, like in, when I was a little kid. But again, yeah. as my dad often said to me, he was not concerned that I was going to be taken by anyone. That's true. So I was. <laughs> I was. I said to my parents, I need to have a sign that says she is mixed race. And they were like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck with sure? that. I got shot yeah. in the back. By you Nazis. Don't need the sign because it's already there. look. Just just don't put her hair in a hat, and they'll figure it out. Okay, I think it's called the um, the Rockefeller Explosion, and it's a documentary about the rock band. Of Chuck E. Cheese, the animatronic <gasps> rock band. And there's this whole group of adults that are like obsessed with the rock band. And they like collect the, like, they like buy and collect the actual animatronics from Chuck E. Cheese places. The rats. Them back. Oh, well, the, yeah. The rock of fire explosion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you should definitely watch it. I really enjoyed it. I'll have to, I'll, all right, I'll see what it's on. I do know that, like, in more recent times that Chuck E. Cheese had to adapt a sort of child, like, protect the kids kind of thing. So there's, like, a I thing with, so. like, stamps of hands. And so I just, yeah. I'm just like, I'm a single woman. I have no business going to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm no. fine. Those days are over. That's true. And my final nerd alert, and this is what, is a, a segue into back into this movie is that May 25th, so about a month before Sorcerer hit the box office and opened, a little movie by the name Ugh. of Star Wars opened. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't seem chance. And so. May I share? Not only did it throw Sorcerer out, 
it threw your father's space funk out. Yeah. And I have to say, though, maybe looking back, I mean, look, I don't have a cocaine habit. I don't think that my brother has a cocaine habit. You two are still married. So I don't think maybe we would still be married. Exactly. For, for Star Wars. I think that we might have been like fucked up. <laughs> because at that point, um, Billboard magazine picked your poppy's space funk as listen to this people pay attention to this but because there was you could only there could only be one and there could only be one instrumental instrumental thing. with with no vocals exactly and so as soon as your poppy's hit then star wars hit and knocked it out and that we were in indianapolis um 78 77 78 when that happened yeah if he had hit it big then he probably would have left the military, you know, all that extra stuff would have happened. I, I mean, might have a lot more money than I have now, but I probably wouldn't have you, my You would probably be a housewife. Yeah, you'd probably yeah. be a housewife. I would probably be dependent on some sort of narcotic. Or and... you might not even be here. And Adam might not even be here. We <gasps> might have been divorced before that, before you even made it. Oh! <gasps> yeah <gasps> so it's all yeah i mean it's timelines and shit it's but yeah it's... star wars pushed his music out and wow. yeah okay so there you can you can well, thank god for star wars right <laughs> right yeah yeah as far as our family goes as far as us with christine right now right i don't know i would have stuck around for the money so <laughs> i know <laughs> I'm thinking I could have had a beach house in Malibu. Yeah, if you had a beach house. I'm... Yeah, but we could have, like, you have a beach house, but you're miserable. You would rather have the beach house and be miserable, but you're miserable? I'm fine. I'm fine with my nice small one. I don't know. Heart. If it's a, a beach house and miserable, I'm taking it. I'm not. I'm taking happiness over it. Like, give me my, my cramp valley, one bedroom apartment, and my happiness. So you can yeah. be miserable. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with that now because it's like, yeah, I mean, this is inner, inner beauty, inner, inner happiness. <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna I, lose I, it. I'd probably be dead. I'd probably be dead. I never would have. You two wouldn't have been born, so I wouldn't have met Christine. And so and that's the real. That would have been the real loss. The, the real, real tragedy loss. of all this is that we would not have had our teeny. I know exactly. Nerd alerts. Okay. Oh, we just did nerd alerts. No, but T yeah. has nerd alerts. T has nerd alerts. I have only one. Don't oh, worry. Okay, because I have like two more, but I wanted to pass it to Teeny. Okay, well, I just had to look up nitroglycerin because all I knew about it was the heart attack pills that my dad right. could take. So I was like, why do they need to transport a bunch of these? So nitroglycerin. <laughs> a bunch of heart attack medicine. <laughs> I know. Come to the teeny tiniest little bottle. Um, yes. Right? Yes, I remember it. Because you got to carry it with, you know, in your pocket. With all the time. All the time. Um, and it clearly didn't help. I mean, he had a heart attack. So where was the nitroglycerin when he needed it? My father had so many heart attacks. Exactly. Where <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, now I'm having my back problems. Am I going to have a heart attack too? Um, 
Okay, so nitroglycerin was the first explosive that was stronger than black powder. And... Beer break. Um, it was invented by... It was invented by Os... Somebody with the last name of Sobrero <laughs> in 1847. But he like was like, hold up. This is like really way too powerful. We should not really use it, especially <laughs> as an explosive. I've made a horrible um, mistake. Yeah, I've made a horrible mistake. It's very unpredictable. unpredictable. Um, and But then Alfred Nobel, Nobel from the Prize. Nobel Peace Prize, went to Paris in 1850 and he wanted a way, he was like, let's find a way to control this and make it usable because it's much more powerful than gunpowder. That's what the Europeans are known for. Cast. So, yeah. (laughs) So then, and you know, he has all these patents. So his first Swedish patent was for ways to prepare gunpowder. And he was like upset, kind of obsessed with explosives. Um, he invented a detonator in 1863 and designed sort of the like last your husband. Cap. Well, yeah, in 1865. Um, but then in 1960, in 1964, 1864 probably is the right, <laughs> unless he was really old. Um, <laughs> uh, shed used for the prep of nitroglycerin exploded. And it killed five people, including his younger brother. So then he was like, hold up. I really got to figure out a way to make this safe. And then he's like, I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> I've made a horrible mistake, too. So then he moved all of his work out to the countryside. Um, and he found out that it was when you had incorporated it with diatomaceous earth, which is also like sedimentary rock. Mm. It became safer and more convenient to handle and then he was able to patent that in 1867 as dynamite. And people enjoyed using nitroglycerin as an explosive more because it didn't create big clouds of black smoke. So you could have an explosion and it was just like, here's your explosion. But if you're in a war or something like that, you did your explosion and then you could still see what was going on around you rather than like, here's oh. an explosion and I can't see anything around me right. what's going on because of all the black clouds. And that's why in this movie, because they were sticks of dynamite, but they were improperly stored, so they were sweating, and that sweat, that's the nitroglycerin. So it was stable in the dynamite, but because it was stored improperly, the sweat then was producing the nitroglycerin, and that's why it was unstable. And it was like... And then when it's unstable, any wrong move could make it... Well, the guy picked it up, and he he just went outside and threw it, and it exploded, which I was like, why is there even an hour left Mm -hmm. of this movie? Because they're all dead. But I thought it was interesting that Alfred Nobel had to... Yeah, that's that's why there's a Nobel... I didn't know that. There's, There's a Nobel Prize... For all different things, it's most famous for the Nobel Peace Prize, but the Swedish, they hand out all these Nobel Prizes in science, literature, all these things. And yes, Alfred Nobel, that's -hmm. what he's known for, was for the work creating TNT. I didn't know that somehow. Yeah, it's wild. And then I have one more nerd alert. I think it's a nerd alert. I'm not sure if it's a nerd alert. It's whatever you want it to be. It was about the rope bridge. (gasps) Can this clarify as a nerd alert? I don't know. Yeah, put it in um, nerd alert. I'll put my other ones in tasty nuggets. Nerd alert and tasty nuggets, they're 
Same thing. Same like when, usually, yeah. like if it's, I I go by is this like have I caught myself going down a hole of like multiple different Wikipedia's to get it? Then I'm like, all right, okay. I know that's a nerd then alert. Then that's a nerd alert. Okay. Well, the rope bridge scene was like 12 minutes long. Oh my god! It seemed like it was three hours, and it. May it cost a million dollars of their budget just for the rope bridge scene, just for those 12 minutes. And I didn't write down anything, so I'm gonna just I, I got your go back, Teeny. I got your back when so you need me. Okay, so they built it. If I forget, so they built it, they were gonna do it in the Dominican Republic. It mm -hmm. took them three months to build, and then the river that it, they built it over ran dry for the first time ever all of a sudden they had this drought and the, there was no water it was completely dry it's like ruth bader ginsburg was up there going you don't want to do this right you now thought. <laughs> so then they went to mexico reconstructed it and then that river ran, dry, ran and, dry yeah and there was an additional million dollars so they had to take it apart find a location they found one in mexico rebuild that for a million dollars and then that started to run dry and then do you have the part about how the townspeople in mexico knew that this was the director of the exorcist oh no but i did have the part about the townspeople in mexico saw that they were using drugs so <gasps> they were like either your entire crew goes to jail for using drugs or you send the people who were guilty of using drugs home. So they had to send like all these crew members home. It was like 50 people. Like f f the production was wild. Yeah. They had to send like 50 people home and then get another and, 50 people. And then, and then they had to hire Mexican locals to join the production that cost them $3 million. Mm -hmm. Cause they had to have one with the bridge. Yeah, they had to have 24-hour security because the locals wanted to blow it up because, one, the bridge, like, the river that was raging started to dry up, and, two, the locals knew that this was the director of The Exorcist, and they were like, what sort of mumbo-jumbo yeah. is this motherfucker bringing here? Yeah. And so there was, like, just a whole bunch of stuff. And, and was did all those people get malaria? And then, like... 50 people from the crew got malaria during the filming the and director they had to... got malaria. Oh yeah. no, the director got the malaria. 50 people got gangrene. Yes, a gangrene. bunch of people. Yep. Johnny. And then gangrene. while they were filming the rope bridge, they kept, I guess it was by accident. The trucks kept falling into the river and then they had to spend all these hours pulling all the people out of the river. So it took, so the Brit, the river that was raging by the time they reconstructed the bridge, the river was down to 18 inches. And so they had to well, hire security. Not bad if you fall in it. So then, but then they needed it to be raging. So they had to put in helicopters, wind fans, people with giant hoses standing up to, to create the whole thing. It ended up, go, um, taking three months to shoot which in that time you know the there were authorities who were like we saw all these people because it's the 70s and y'all are film crew doing drugs so they have to leave though director william friedkin said that to this day like that was his the hardest sequence that he ever had to film wow okay that's all mine 
Aaron, you had a couple others? Yeah, so because I had said that this that Friedkin was in that whole new 70s school because he had done the French Connection, the Exorcist before this, so he was with Francis Ford Coppola and Peter Bogdanovich, and so Coppola, he had done um, the Godfather movie, and then I don't know when he did Godfather 2. I forgot we'd done it. But when he went off to do Apocalypse Now... Freakin, who was like kind of, you know, in the same kind of class, so a rival. So he wanted to go off and do um, a, a, a huge epic on location kind of similar thing. Ah. And I don't think we've done We haven't done Apocalypse Now, but that's crazy. And it's how like he went off to shoot that and it, another crazy production involved in that. And so um, lots of drugs. Exactly heart of darkness and that kind of thing and so free this was freaking sort of like oh you're going off to shoot apocalypse now well i'm gonna go to south america and shoot this movie so yeah i mean it went through two director of photography so mm-hmm. the first dick bush he was on it first he shot all of the 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 vignettes but when it got to the jungle scenes, when they went back and saw the dailies, it was all underexposed. And Freakin was just like, what is this? I don't like it's all dark. I can't see anything. And Dick Bush is like, well, I don't have any lights, so I can't expose anything. So Freakin was like, you're fired. And that's when he brought in the other guy. And the other guy was just like, yeah, we'll just use bounce boards and illuminate things. And so. That's why there's two different photography. There was five production managers for various reasons. Like Christine said, people got gangrene, people got malaria, people got caught up on drug charges. Gangrene. Yeah. Johnny got gangrene. And then um, my last nerd alert is the sound of the engine, the truck engines. I know this. Go ahead, Ma. Is the sound of lions and tigers roaring. And when you hear that, you hear it in there. But before, like, I was listening to it, and it just sounded like engines. And then I was reading it at the same time. And it was like, yes, mm-hmm. I hear lions and tigers they, roaring. They wow. just, what did you say that sounded they like? They distorted it slightly. Engines. I don't know. We said something. So they, they just slightly distorted it. And it was it was incredible. The sound was the only thing from this movie that got the Academy Award. Yeah. Um, but of yes. course, you know, it lost to Star Wars. The pew, pew, pew. Um, but before like now and we also mentioned it in Psycho, how they took the melons and stuff. So. Right. Like this was, um, you know, for the but, but when you have an engine, you know, you can recreate an engine. And this was one of the early times when it was like, well, we could use an engine or we could do this distorted thing. And now that's the kind of thing like now when movies and stuff like the Avengers, all those big Hollywood movies, the sounds, if you would go back and see like what the sounds were for all the things, you'd be like, what? And mm-hmm. you could, because you have the technology now, you can take a, a any sound and put it through a distortion and take mm-hmm. this out, and take that out. And it'll sound completely different and, and, you know, pretty much make your film. So that's cool. Exactly. Okay, we are to reheatables. Um, I am going to go with negative reheatable. When they were in the jungle, all I could think was, a snake is coming, a snake is coming. Oh, yeah. 
There were a lot of bugs there. But, but that's the in my that's it. That's why that's in my Gudri heatables. There yeah. are no jungle Whoa. animals because I kept Whoa. when he opened the the TNT, I had completely eyes closed because I knew I knew a snake I knew was it. in there. Nope, I knew it. Nothing. So I knew it. You are safe in this movie. But it was okay because I had my loppers ready. Okay. Um, already mentioned Manzon's teeth. Already mentioned a Reichsmarschall. Already mentioned wiping silverware on a dirty shirt to give to somebody. Um, poverty. The, the extreme poverty where they were living when they were in the jungle. Mm-hmm. The burned bodies and uh, with the burned bodies, just expendable lives. I mean, you know, people are expendable. It's just a U.S. oil company and you got to get that oil. So, oops. Sorry. Yeah, those are my negative reheatables. Um, My only one that you did not say was uh, (laughs) all the coughing in the tent. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, coronavirus now. There's a lot of coughing going on. Yeah, we're so we're so attuned to paying attention to that now. Yeah, yeah. putting the the water to wash your face was just in a a bowl, and oh yeah, I was I was creeped out by that. Yeah, right. it was it was pretty disgusting. My bad, reheatables. A uh, bride with a black eye. Well, I put it that. in the I put in the battery heatable, but you know what? It really set the scene, and it was a visual thing of like, wow, that woman's not like in a great situation, and everybody here is okay with this. She, I bet she was pregnant too. Oh yeah, so I was yeah. like, oh, um, the beginning we already mentioned it about how it was not subtitled the foreign languages, and in yeah. fact. That added to this film. I don't know what you guys were watching because mine was. Well, when they would talk, like some things were subtitled, but some things yeah. weren't. Like right. some of the Spanish wasn't subtitled. Some of the oh, French okay. wasn't subtitled. In the very beginning, it was just the foreign language. And a lot of people went into this movie and they came out because they were like, what What the hell? And so there had to be place oh, cards true. put on, like at the box office of like, it is an English language film, the first 15 minutes of it. They're, right. they're, they're speaking their own language and some of the stuff was subtitled. But it's a bad reheatable because, look, I appreciate when you're in Jerusalem and you're hearing the, that language being spoken. You know, people aren't just speaking English because exactly. it's not like the exactly. man who knew too much, the, the remake, when they're in Morocco, everybody's speaking English. Like, I know that it's not like that. Like, I like hearing the different languages, but throw up a subtitle so that I know the language because they're make, they made it sound like, Look at us. We're being diverse and we're showing these different languages. Right, right. But by not subtitling it, you're othering the language. Like, I'm an English speaker. This is foreign English. You made this movie for English, an English audience. I don't understand what they're saying. I do that. I do that American glazed eyes thing of like, well, this isn't for me then. Yeah, you we've lived that. we we have lived that. Yeah, you put on a subtitle, then it's like, oh, this is how they're speaking, and I get to okay, I can I can I get it, I get what's going on. So I think that's a bad reheatable because I think now 
that would be subtitled. Right. You know? Even if it's just gibberish, let me know what the gibberish is. Yeah, but, I mean, this was the real other languages. It wasn't just gibberish. But that's funny. Yes, I I exist. And that segues nicely into my next one of the otherness of all non-European characters. (laughs) Um... There's a little naked toddler running around, and I bet that they did not get the parents to sign a release for that kid. And so I was just like, well, this is kind of really uncomfortable, just this, you know, upper cast production coming in and like, ooh, it's giving my movie a real grittiness to it. But I'm like, that's a real little kid that you're showing Mm -hmm. naked. And I know for a fact that you didn't were like, who is this parent? Do we have yeah. your permission to have your little kid, na- you know? Full frontal? Full frontal? No? Okay. Um, the I did not come up with this. I read this. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. The amount of money for the job is very wildly inconsistent. It starts out that it's going to be 8,000 pesos a piece. And then when Schneider and the Mexican assassin guy is and they think that the other truck got was gone out of the picture, they're like, oh, we get to split it. That's 20,000 each. Yeah. And so like that. I, I, I heard that wrong. Yeah. And then at the end, when he spoiler alert completes it. He's the only one, and they give him a check for forty thousand. And so you're just like, well, that that was inconsistent. Forty thousand pesos. Yeah. So what is that? I don't. I mean, I that's no not a idea. lot. Okay. It's enough to get him out of that situation. Well, there you but, go. But you know, his man Vinny wasn't his man, so <laughs> that put the kibosh on that. Um. Okay. My other bad reheatable is that I, based on what they had said about how how unstable nitroglycerin is, I thought that for sure when they just turned the ignition of the cars, it was going to explode. I know. Because those things were like shaking everywhere, but. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what's going to set it off and what isn't? They said the faintest vibration could cause one explosion. And I'm like, wow, they're going through a jungle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My final bad reheatable. And I think this is the, I think this is the creme de la creme. I think this is the def, the dictionary definition of gone with the bushes, bad reheatables. The title. Sorcerer. But I read about it. I know, but when you read about it, but it's still a bad reheatable because you have to, like, now that we know, like, what it is in 2020, you're like, okay, I understand. Bro. But in 1977, this guy had just made The Exorcist. It was 1977. He comes up with a movie yeah, called The Sorcerer. Yeah, a real sorcerer. Ex- exactly. I was just like, oh, that that's just being too cute, freaking. Yeah. You're being too cute there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, we are to best reheatables. Um, my best reheatable was Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola classic. Do you love Coca-Cola diet version? Anybody else? Oh, my good reheatables were 
the explosions. The blow-ups, oh, mine yeah. too. Oh, they real. They like, were like, real. News footage. They were like, real. Well, yeah, but even with like the people coming out of them. <laughs> Everything yeah. looked real. Um, uh, the next one, sorry, Chocolate Troopers, is <laughs> the blood. I thought the blood looked very real. How it was like the paint red? I just thought all the blood looked great. Okay. Like, every bloody person looked like they really were bleeding. Are you talking about like in the explosion or like when the I'm people got shot? All, all right. Okay. All uh, and then the flower arrangements at that nice restaurant. Oh, I didn't even notice. Nice. Wow. wow. Yeah. Might want to go. The nice restaurant alone was a positive readable. Mm-hmm. That was yes. like the Jefferson. If oh, yeah. you ever had an opportunity to eat at such an establishment, you're lucky if you ever got to do it once. Oh, just the butter. The butter alone. The butter alone. All right. So my good reheatable, I like when like the whole, I guess, MacGuffin of the movie that, you know, this oil in the town where they are, they're working for an oil company. It explodes and it's a it's just a fire. What was the thing that was like like the the you know, the well, it was like the BP oil spill and they had to go and close it off. So this Mm -hmm. is because it's oh, an yeah. oil well, it's on fire, so it's just basically a candle burning, and that's why they right. need the nitro. They needed the dynamite because if they blow out the hole, then it'll put the fire out. So when he's reading it, it's like the company goes, like, you know, research and development. They like, yeah, you still need to greet, you still need to meet your quota, and he's like, it's signed by Weber, <laughs> and I, because that's that's Maz. That's Maz uh, made a name, Weber. So I was just like, that's peeps. hilarious. My peeps. That, that's your look at your peeps. Look at my peeps. <laughs> and, um, Another when missed opportunity. Well, you, you cast that die when you you cast your cast. <laughs> so, um, the giant they're on one of the bridges and they get I. It's a bunch of bramble and branches, but to me, I laughed because I was like, is that a giant tumbleweed? That has crushed them on the bridge. <laughs> you know, oh, no, yeah. What was that? that was, I, I was just like, I was like, do we have like like trees that are have come to? I mean, not that I think that living, it was but... it was a storm, and so the the because it looked jungle rainforesty, so the trees fell down, and then they were getting swept, and they they showed yeah. something like a hut getting swept away. So then it was in the bank, and so then it got caught up. But it just looked like a jump giant tumbleweed to me, and that made me chuckle. We already said about how like there's basically no wild animals. So if you're skittish about that, you can watch this movie. And Seriously, I was, I was I very thankful. To, uh, very thankful. Yeah. Me too. Um, I second Teeny's thing with the blow ups, especially like the tree blow up and how that was like a whole MacGyver kind of thing. Um, and then my final good reheatable is in classic action movie fashion. The guy is is just having a nice conversation, talking about how much his wife likes him. And oh yeah, that was nice. Like that though, bam. What you he thought talking what, about his wife. He is talking about his wife. He's like, look at she she gave me this awesome watch, and then they get a flat tire, 
and they go off the cliff and you're like, well, that's unstable and poof. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, this brings me to my corn, my new corner Ooh, that yes. I want to introduce. And you already talked about it, but it's called the unbelievability corner. Mm. Yes. I'm going to write, write it, it down. down. Which was no explosions while they were on the rope bridge. Are you kidding me? That thing would have been so exploded. Yeah. So exploded. Yeah. So exploded. I mean, just think of walking over a rope bridge and now you're having a truck full of unstable dynamite well, going yeah, over it's, a, it's a rope bridge. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. A matter of fact, when they did their whole pulley system to get the, the box, I was just like, how they, they picked it up and they're dead. Like exactly, uh, they didn't even get it to the trucks. No, they right. all died. They mm-hmm. all they all died. Okay, we are to quotables, and I made up one. <laughs> you made them. Okay, all right, I did. All right, Walden who wrote the Roy script. Scheider had already done Jaws, mm-hmm. so they are in the jungle, and this huge tree has fallen over their path. We're going to my quotable is we're going to need a bigger machete. Uh, Yeah, that's good. good And uh, the other one was this is the wrong road. This is the wrong road. Yeah. But other people's quotable. Like, remember when we were leaving the airport to go to the beach that time and we kept taking the wrong road? Oh my God! Yes, yeah. I think that yeah. was my first time going to the beach. I think it was. Waiting. I think we kept it going was. down the wrong road. <laughs> it's the same road. It, 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 and it was two cars, you know, one following the other, and you know, the one in the back was going, "No, what? no, our car." No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I didn't have any quotables. That's, I have yeah. um quote it's the kind of place nobody wants to go looking which mm. if you need to hide out you do want to go to the place that nobody wants to go looking that's true and then but, Bush, but you're dealing with poverty and yeah yeah but like th- that's yeah. something that those up that's that upper caste like mentality of like I'm gonna hide out here and I'm just gonna do my thing you yeah. Know? That privilege. Um, quote, if you want to pick your nose in this truck, you better clear it with me first. That was what Schneider said to uh, Nilo or Nilo, the Mexican assassin. Yes. And then I don't I forget who said this, but I just I, I love the sentiment and I say it probably at least once a month in my head to multiple different people. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Yeah, you do. I say that frequently. I, I uh, just love that. And I think you got it from your father, and I picked it up as well. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on. Just lumping all y'all together. I love it. Class, like, that is very American of me. And the horse you rode in on. And the horse. Okay. Um, LVP. Least valuable player. Mine is dirty water. 
You know, there were leeches in that water. You know, there was all kinds of bacteria. There was everything that Grey's Anatomy ever, like, uh, put on there that was, you know, like the vagina fish and the, all uh. that shit. Yeah, because every time they went into that dirty water, it was like no, you, you parasites, have no idea what amoebas. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, that's mm. a good one. Teeny. Mine's the working conditions. Yeah. Like, how did fifty people get gangrene? Yeah. Oh, and the movie thing. Yeah. Okay. I read an article. It was from Esquire magazine. I apologize. I think it was from about two thousand fourteen. This guy did a, a Q&A with William Friedkin and he was asking him about it. And he basically said how if this movie was made today, it would be all be done by CGI and how oh. he it was like it was dangerous. Like I would not have made this movie now, like mm-hmm. looking back on it. And it, it just made me chuckle because it's one of those like young person kind of like, yeah, we're going to be fine. And he's like, no. And I think what I don't I forget. But sometime around this time, that tragedy happened with the Twilight Zone movie. Oh, where yeah. The, they, I read that same article. Actually, yeah. Now you say it. Mm-hmm. So he it was just a whole bunch of like, yeah, I was just trying. Like he kind of admits it. This is what I kind of reading between the lines is you know he was in the 70s this was new hollywood young brash can't nobody tell me nothing i'm gonna make this and he had made the french connection which we haven't done yet but that's always on all of the film lists like we have to do it it's a classic he had done the exorcist which we i don't think we also have done so he he's made two back-to-back like bona fide hits Francis Ford Coppola had made The Godfather, probably The Godfather Part 2. He's going off to make Apocalypse Now. Like, this was just the 70s, and, like, these are white directors and just living that white director life of just... that You can't... Again, you can't tell me anything, and, like, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to figure it out. And it's just one of those things, like, looking back, like, there's no way... And that was so dangerous, what we were doing we got away with one. Mm-hmm. Roy Scheider said, um, Jaws was nothing compared to what he had to go through, through this. And remember the whole thing, like with Jaws, I mean, that wasn't a, a, a great production. So are you ready for my LVP? I am. Mm-hmm. Mine is, is Roy Schneider's character, his friend, Vinny, because Vinny, because this is a spoiler alert. Y'all know how like, you've been listening to this podcast. You know how it is. So turn it off if you want to, you know, I'm about to spoil this shit. The last scene of this film is the two is the, the people from Elizabeth, New Jersey. The connected mm-hmm. people find him and they walk in to where Roy Schneider is having his last dance. And the, you're like, really? South America 1977, you know, this is before cell phones. This is before GPS. This is probably one of the kind of last times when if you wanted to completely disappear off this earth, you could do it and reasonably easily, right? Yeah. 
and they find him. Yeah. The the North New Jersey mob finds him and you know that it's the only reason they could find him it had to be Vinny. Vinny had to talk. Vinny's the LP LVP. Vinny. Oh. Vinny. MVP? My MVP was the whole rope bridge suspense yeah like sequence yeah it was pretty sequence. That, was, that was suspenseful it was yeah. mine was the explosions although i do understand it was dangerous and that was my lvp when he was saying like he would have had to do that all in cgi now it was very impressive that this was all done yeah without cgi but i yeah. i, I kind of think that that's one of the reasons why we were like, oh, like why it, yeah. we took notice to oh, it because just yeah. how it was like that shit. That's real. Like that's real yeah. fire. That's wow. really happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, my honorable mention is, I don't know if it's just like America and the schooling, or if it was just guy code, or what it was in the in. I guess it was in America because they were all from different parts, but just just knowledge and tactile and machinery because somehow all four of these guys knew enough to rebuild two complete trucks yeah. out of just yeah. the stuff that yeah. was... They knew how to put in the brakes. They knew how to completely redo transmissions. They knew yeah, how... You could have a degree, a college degree, a master's degree, a doctorate degree, and still not be able to make a truck work. Yeah, and yet these these four guys from these different situations all knew enough about how to make these trucks. Then again, this is why this is my MVP is nitroglycerin because somehow, like, it's just saving saving people with heart attacks all around the world, and also explosions without any black smoke. Yeah, it's just nitroglycerin. It. It's unstable, but maybe it's not that unstable. I don't know. It's, just like me. <laughs> just like me. <laughs> okay, those were our one, one wrong movement. You know, <laughs> our MVPs and MVPs. Right? We're mm -hmm. all done with that. Yep. We are to yep. recasting. Okay. I just have one cast. <coughs> As do I. Okay, go ahead. Okay, Nilo. Nilo was our Mexican uh, hitman. Okay, my Nilo is Soma Hayek. Hayek. Oh, that would be a good Nilo. I like this okay. cast. Hold on. Uh huh. Then the other person, I don't have a reason to. I don't know who it is. Is it the terrorist? Must be the terrorist. I heard. Okay, yeah, because then I have Victor and Juan, so it must be the terrorist. This is Alfre Woodard. Oh, nice. Okay, so I have Selma House, Hayek, and Alfre Woodard. Now uh -huh. get ready. Kassim. Victor, okay. the French dude. Mm -hmm. Lorraine Toussaint. Oh, she's good. From Orange is the New Black, as well as many other things. Yeah, she's just like, oh, I've seen her in so many things. 
Okay, buckle your seatbelts. For your mm. Scanlin? My Scanlin, Juan, Ron, Sh Roy Shire. Uh-huh, Shider. <laughs> Who? Mary Louise Parker. Mary Louise Parker would be a good Roy Shider. <coughs> that, uh, Scanlin, that's good. Yes. That's good. Well, I went with the uh, traditional just recasting because they're the Nilo or Nilo who was the Mexican hitman. As soon as I saw him, I, I thought it was one of those, like, you know, like you've seen on the internet where people have pictures of o mm -hmm. an old person from the 1860s mm -hmm. who looks just like somebody now. And they're mm -hmm. like, what is going on? That's mm -hmm. how I felt about the Nilo situation because the actor Tony Dalton, who plays Lalo Sakamaka, what what is his name? Salamaka in the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul universe looks just like him. And I like oh, that's wow. who you remember in the most recent Better Call Saul. The guy Tony Dalton. He's the he's like look him up. He's exactly and with the energy like I thought it was the same character. I was just like, wow. So he's definitely getting that. So then I went, I had to go with, um, what is his name? Kasim. I went with Rami Malik. Oh, yeah. For the French guy, I went with Olivier Martinez. And then for Scallion... The Roy Scheider part, I went with Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Mm -hmm. Wow. We'd have to have some dance moves. Yeah. He could be branching out. Okay. I'm not going to do my tasty nuggets first because I only step on teenies. So I'm going to let teeny go in front of me. Well, I think I actually already covered all of mine. Excellent. Okay, well, I have people who wanted the role of Roy Scheider. Mm -hmm. The lead. They really wanted Steve McQueen to do it, but he said oh. in order to do it, uh, Ali McGraw, his at the time squeeze, had to be cast, and the director went, that ain't happening. Well, not only that she had to be cast in a co-starring starring role, which in this movie there is really no exactly yeah. but that she also had to have an associate producer credit uh, and william freaking was like no yeah. so other people thought of for that role robert mitchum mm -hmm. we have done gene hackman oh yeah chris christopherson he was hot in the 70s mm -hmm. Nick Nolte really wanted this role. Interesting that he didn't get it. Jack Nicholson and Clint Eastwood were also looked at for the Roy Scheider role. But Jack and Clint wouldn't travel for this. Because that was they part of it. They were going to that dirty yeah, water. They were like, and yeah. that's what Robert Mitchum said. He was like, I can fall out of a truck in front of my house in L.A. I don't need to travel to South America. Right, right. Um, the director 
said this was his favorite film. It came out almost exactly the way he wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, they recouped a million of the 21 million Star Wars. I wonder what that meant. Recoup nine million of the. I guess it cost twenty one million to make. It did. They recouped nine million because Star Wars came out. They lost the rest of it. Yeah, it was considered a flop. But then it's like discovered this resurgence mm-hmm. and it hit number one on Amazon in like 2013 or something like that and it started being shown at all these film festivals mm-hmm. well done it's had this whole like weird thing like when it came out critics were like what is this and yeah. it was star wars and like get at, at the chinese theater at, the, at la at the time you know that's a one screen situation so star wars was moving and so then they took it out to put in sorcerer by the director who brought us the exorcist and people were like what there's nothing supernatural yeah Yeah. if you're gonna like you take star wars out for that yeah and so then they had to put star wars back in and so people and um because this was a joint thing with universal and paramount and again friedkin had done the french connection and the exorcist this came out and it was so the performance was so bad and it was so over budget and problematic in the production that they just canceled him and and he basically had two hit movies and had to start at the bottom again wow. just because of this and so then this is one of those things with like history and kind of like what the the french new wave how those uh critics and stuff went back and they were like whoa wait 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 hold on hold on here look at look at what freaking did with this yeah so that now there's a whole different reappreciation of it i had 50 people had to leave the film due to injuries or gangrene or food poisoning or malaria or drugs charges and this is stephen king's favorite film of all time wow wow that's a yeah interesting that is all right so to piggyback um the guy that played Kasim, the Amadou actor, he was the only first choice that was cast. Every yes. other choice was Friedkin's fourth, fifth, or sixth choice. Um, he really he he had worked with Roy Scheider on the French Connection, and then since that time, uh, Jaws came out, and Scallion. I mean, Friedkin was kind of like, man, like you could kind of tell that his whole, at least according to Friedkin, that Roy Scheider had become a star. And, you know, it was that whole, again, you can't tell me anything. Kind of like, do you know who I am? And he wasn't even his first choice. And, and I think he had said something about how Roy Scheider was great if he was the second or third banana, but that he was not yeah, a star. And right. that, yeah. And and it's kind of like I don't, I don't know. I thought he was really good in it. And and but maybe it's that I'm seeing it in 2020 and I know Roy Scheider is like, oh, the guy from Jaws and the guy from Sequest and the guy oh, from yeah. you know, so I'm like, yeah, he is a star. And 
But he said that it was his worst casting decision ever. Yeah. To put Ray Scheider oh, wow. in this movie. Yeah. Because he yeah. said that he needed, he, he needed a star. Like, he wanted, like, a star star. And right. at that time, I guess Roy Scheider isn't... I guess he isn't that star. And then I was kind of thinking about it. Like, well, yeah, the whole... Like, he's good in Jaws, but he's... He's, he, he, it's not like he carries the film of Jaws, right, you know? Right. So I kind of got it. But then you're, it's also like, you were going up against Star Wars, buddy. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, you space didn't funk, know. Space Funk ain't, ain't going to cut yeah, it. Yeah. It's just like things changed on you overnight. That just happens. Um, let me see. Oh, Scallion's character, the Roy Scheider character, was based on Humphrey Bogart's character in Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Which, Treasure man, that's been on my list Sierra for a while. Madre. It had the, quote, battered hat, unshaven face, and tough guy stance. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sorcerer is actually the name of the truck. And the director, so the other truck was, I think it was named like Laz, Laszlo, or it was some like Lazarus, basically. And he came up with that name first. And then this truck, he was listening to Miles Davis's album, Sorcerer. And he was like, oh, Sorcerer, that's a great oh, name. Okay. So he changed. I wondered where the name came the from. The script's working title was Ball Breaker. And so he changed it from ball breaker to sorcerer. And he also admitted that there was a quote, an intentional but ill-advised reference to the exorcist with sorcerer. Mm. And sorcerer though, because the theme of the movie to him was fate and that fate was quote, an evil wizard, which was a sorcerer. Mm -hmm, And so that's, that's Mm -hmm. kind of why the movie is, named sorcerer but it's kind of like you're just getting too cute like this is 1977 yeah yeah like Mm -hmm. know your audience man um and so his the director his goal was to shoot it with no sentiment no heroes no villains um he was big william freakin the director was big on quote action is a character and that's a line from f scott fitzgerald's the great gatsby this was a 10-month shoot, um, and Friedkin had said, you know, there's every film that gets made, there's three versions of the film. There's the version of the film that is planned, that is conceived and planned, then there's the version you shoot, and then there's the version that you edit. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. that is pretty much true. Um, the, that New Jersey car wreck scene... So they did that originally and it took 12 takes and none of the takes were good. And so the director brought in Joey Chickwood Jr. And this guy was known for being super meticulous. And so he mapped out and planned this whole thing where there would be like a a 40 foot ramp and how it would crash into the fire hydrant and spin like that. And mind you, they had done, like, spent all this time doing 12 takes and stuff. This guy planned it all out, shot it, completed everything in one take. One take. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, yeah, we already said how um, it was a critical flop, but there's been a huge reassessment of it. Because, like, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but then what I thought it was going to be was all based on what I think of like 
77 in the title Sorcerer and Roy Scheider. And so then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can, I can see. It's not my favorite movie that we've done, but I definitely, I definitely got through all of it and watched all of it and was kind of like, what is going on? And and Mm -hmm. sort of like pins and needles and like, oh, oh. That, that rope bridge scene yeah. with the truck going over that that was as intense as anything I've seen. And and even though he mm-hmm. explained why the movie was called what it was, and this isn't a lot of things that I read say that it's a remake of that guy's The Wages of War. And it's not, because it's very different from that film. And this was just sort of taking those elements and he redid it. So that's sort of why it's not like a remake of that film but it's adapted from the book that that film was based on. Okay. That is Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Anybody have anything else to add? I don't no. think so. So next week, Erin. All right, well. Ooh, she's taking a drink. So I had this list of movies because we're in October and that's spooky time. For two of us who don't do horror. Yeah, and so I I came up with like a a list of three movies that I was gonna and I was I was pretty confident in the one. But then when I was doing my particulars, I just kept I I just had that feeling. That just that that feeling of fate that was sort of pushing me towards this. And I was like, I think that this will be acceptable for because Teeny is our show's horror expert so i was like i don't think that she's gonna be too disappointed with this i think this will fall into an acceptable um october selection um but i just i just thought it was right on point so as i mentioned before the wages of fear was directed by henry georges clouseau and he made the 1955 film that Alfred Hitchcock watched and was like, I got to up my game. So I'm like, well, why don't we up our game and do 1955 Le Diaboliques? It is on Amazon Prime. Uh, spell Boliques. It's L-E-S space... D-I-A-B-O-L-I-Q-U-E-S. Okay, start over. L-E-A-L-E-S-D-I-A-B-O-L-I- Wait, wait, wait. Whoa! They so yeah, that's it's that got one. Diablo in it, which is like the devil. Mm-hmm. Day of Lay Diabliques on Amazon Prime. Did you say? Did you say Day of? It's just Lay Diabliques. Man, French people are just like dying of our pronunciation right now. They are indeed. But it is Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon Prime. I checked. I think. I think it means. I think it means the that. diabolical. It it must be pretty diabolical. 
Am I gonna be scared? I think, but it's murder. Murder. Is it? It's gotta be. Um, it's gotta be. Uh, it's French, uh, obviously. Yeah. So we're gonna have subtitles. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's rather psychological, fascinating. A psychological horror thriller film. Yeah. Ooh, so, teeny. I was like, I think. And I don't think that you're going to get out of October without, because I still have another yeah. pick in October. Uh-huh. Yes, you do. You do. So, dun, dun, dun. But I was like, yeah. I'm going to play along. I think. I'll save be, I'll save what I was going to pick because that was more classic tradition of October. But, but oh, there you well, go. You see, well, you have, the, you have the week of Halloween as your pick. Oh, I do? Because I pick on the 18th and you pick on the 25th. Oh. So we would technically be recording November 1st. Oh, okay. Wow. So there's still time. Okay. Okay. But I just thought that this was a good because we just did Psycho and it was mentioned a whole yeah. bunch in Psycho mm -hmm. and then have it then like the next thing. Oh, this guy did another film. It was it was just like the universe going like, how many fingers do you need me to keep pointing to this? Okay. So the universe was speaking to Aaron. They lay diabloic. <laughs> You or talk French. What the fuck ever? <laughs> I'm like diaboliques. Les diaboliques. Les diaboliques. Okay. <laughs> Next week, listeners. Bye. Bye. Bye.